All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 46 of Aid Thompson and Other Disappointments, a weekly Friday night show streamed live on YouTube, usually at half past seven, um, and then out to Patreons thereafter, and then secreted out to YouTube, uh, YouTube, to iTunes and Spotify in the days that follow. Uh, my guest this week is the celebrated author of 52 Times Britain Was a Bell End, Sunburn, which is a look back on the lowlights and exposés of the world's worst comic book. And his new book, uh, You Don't Want to Know, which charts a course through some of the world's most fascinating, if morbid, facts in his trademark cutting and sarcastic style. Please welcome to the show, James Bloody Felton. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> James, quite an intro, yeah. I've never been bigged up like that before. <laughs> enjoyable. Well, you know, I have a background in open mic comedy, so it's you know, you <laughs> gee these yeah. things up. How are you, man? How's your week been? All right. Yeah, all good. Fairly typical week. Uh, yeah, pretty dull. How about you? Yeah, not too bad. Um, I've I don't know if I've mentioned this in a previous podcast, but I've like I started a new job a couple of months ago, and it's always this sort of you know, when you're starting a new team and a new company and you're, you're not quite sure if you can let the craziness out yet, if you can really like be you and, you know, am I doing well? And so there's this like, I've got the, the fear there where I'm like, is, you know, is everything going okay? And I've, I've, I've got this like, um, you know, when you start somewhere and you've got like a probation period, I've got yeah. my like probation review coming up in like 10 days. So I'm, I appear sort of quietly confident right now, but actually I'm shitting my tits. <laughs> You're allowed to lay out the crazy, like immediately after the review. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There should be a meme for that. Like where, you know, this whole time, the three months of your probation period, you've been like, you know, professional contributing uh, member of the team and as soon as you're like locked in <laughs> on a permanent contract <laughs> it's like oh you thought you thought that was me no that's right, not me this is what you're stuck with <laughs> yeah um so I, I suppose a good place to start really uh in terms of um uh like why why bring james felton on as a guest right so i first became aware of you i saw a, a tweet of yours um must be a couple of years ago now uh mm -hmm. in response to a, i think it was a vote leave or a leave hq tweet um and it was like the, the leave hq tweet was something along the lines of like you know what i'm 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 falling out of love with brexit and uh and you know i won't be held responsible for the mess that it's become and frankly remainers have to take some responsibility like they were trying to sort of like offload the responsibility for the chaos that is brexit and i remember you, you tweeted back to this account saying like big which one of you cowards shit my pants energy <laughs> yeah well, that, that sounds like me <laughs> and i was like oh it's like it's one of the every set like every now and then you get one of these tweets where you read it and you're like you know like the chef's kiss it's like Wah! <laughs> beautiful so that was how i first became aware of you was was via twitter and then uh you know i noticed that you had garnered quite a following and then from there on i realized that you'd written these books and um, but I'm not really aware of, of what your background was, like if you had gotten into comedy writing or if it was like the, like the radio comedy came first or was it the books? And so I guess like this is a really long way of me saying, can you give us a bit of an intro, like where okay. you've come from? Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah I think that's how everyone's route to finding me is uh, me writing about shitting pants and then they <laughs> find right. the stuff from there. But yeah. Uh, so, yeah, background. I was trying to be a comedy writer for many many years and did like 
So I entered a competition um, for the BBC, which is just writing comedy. Right. From there, producer kind of um, let me write on their shows <laughs> whenever I begged. And yeah, um, so I did that for years, but nothing really took off. Okay. And then suddenly I did uh, just started tweeting a lot. And around the time of the like twenty, uh, around the time of the referendum, and people seem to like my tweets from there. And it's that that's really kind of led to everything else. And then suddenly I've got books, I've got followers that pick me up, pick up my books first, and then follow me, and that kind of thing. Which is really good. Uh, then yeah, slowly moved away from the politics in terms of my books, and just started going to the stuff that I really like, which is kind of the abject nonsense <laughs> that kind right. of thing um weird tales from history stuff like that i see okay so i, I suppose it's it's an interesting kind of career path isn't it and it's one of the rare upsides if you like or upticks of of social media because it gets such a bad rep for a lot of like great reasons it gets it has a shitty oh, reputation yeah. um but in terms of like your career trajectory to have gone from sort of relative obscurity and and the uh the experience that you've just sort of touched on yourself in terms of, you know, you, you had some exposure to, to radio comedy and um, that was kind of, you know, teetering along to some extent. But then once you went on Twitter, it's kind of ballooned and exploded and provided you with a lot of opportunity. And that's something that would not happen historically, right? If you'd come up in like the eighties or the nineties, you'd just be. Yeah. Well, I'd be known. <laughs> I mean, not many people, I'm sure not that many people have heard of me off of Twitter, but. Yeah, no one would have heard of me. <laughs> like I technically had a BAFTA um, for about three years and obviously no one had heard of me. And then I start tweeting about pan shitting and suddenly <laughs> you know who I am. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, no, I would have died in obscurity in the 80s. Did, the you ever, did you ever do open mic comedy at all? Or uh, I did, yeah. Um, like what? Did it? I, yeah, I did it for quite a while. I'm quite a shy guy, to be honest. So I hated every second of it. But it was it was all right. Yeah. And then I had one terrible gig and just panicked. <laughs> um, after that, just never did it again. Yeah. Like, yeah, I told. <laughs> yeah, just it's, basically it's, ran off the stage. It's one of the sort of like. I mean, I I don't know how bad that gig was for you or like what the general atmosphere was, but it's one of the, the sort of pretty big, violent. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> something like workers club in millwall you're standing there doing your well thought through like introspective cerebral routine like get the fuck off the stage like all right maybe comedy isn't for me um but yeah it's, it's a sort of common misconception i always find about stand-up that people think that you must be a really like confident outgoing person and and maybe brash to some extent if that's the right word but I think a lot of the best comedians that I've known along the way have been quite sort of introspective. Like if you met them out and about, they would, they'd just be introverts. They're not very showy offy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's about right. Like the loud brash one. Uh, no, probably be good to not be shy. <laughs> I'd be, <laughs> probably be doing stand up. <laughs> but it's a kind of, it's a kind of science as well, isn't it? It's like, you know, if you get up on the stage enough times, like there's a there's a there's a variable there or there's a sort of formula there that you know that if you do it x number of times then you're gonna st stop <laughs> not to get back onto shitting your pants but like uh yeah. there's there's gonna be a point where you start to lose those nerves and you get a bit more confident with it and then you kind of realize that actually what it's more about is you 
constructing like a paragraph or three paragraphs of material in such a way that it generates a lot like it becomes less and less about showing off i guess yeah yeah that sounds probably true it's pushing through to that stage that is just horrible yeah (laughs) and so so you were you were writing comedy for radio and and uh you know you've written these books um i was curious looking at your background earlier like when when i talk to stand-ups uh, or even comedy fans, I sort of say like, oh, who's your who's your comedy hero? But it's like, especially in the stand-up arena, people will always reel off like, you know, the greats, like a Bill Hicks or a Doug Stanhope or a Chris Rock or, and so on. Um, but with authors, it's sort of slightly different, I guess. But like, I was interested to hear like, so who would you, because you're, you know, uh, you're successful off the back of social media. You're not necessarily associated with stand-up. Um, you're more of an author so who is a comedy hero for you uh probably i'm I'm pretty typical of someone my age and that Stuart lee was an obsession for (laughs) quite a long time um people like hans taven he's great um yeah those kind of people uh then just the normal kind of sean lock that kind of people and then for writing there isn't really that many people that write in the kind of style that i do or at least about uh, kind of making jokes about history Mm. so that's kind of a weird new thing that i'm doing although i guess you could say like horrible histories like but with the word (laughs) the f word and stuff like that (laughs) deciding whether to swear then (laughs) is it is it like a strategic decision to move away from the politics and go into an area that you because politics can be quite divisive obviously so yeah. I suppose the cliche uh, is to say like, oh, if you if you lean one way, you're cutting off half a potential audience. Is like, was it something like that or? Not really. No, it's like I think if like if politics wasn't so terrible, this is the kind of stuff I'd be talking about all the time. Politics is like an annoyance that keeps drawing me in. Like right. <laughs> I'll get annoyed at something and then I'll start making jokes about it. But if that if everything was solved and all the bad people had gone away, I'd just be writing like dumb anecdotes about well, dumb um history things about various I'm trying to think of some good ones <laughs> that I could <laughs> put in here. But anyway, um yeah, I'd be writing like about dumb things from history, um, stool wars and pig wars and that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Cool man. Niche niche area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's uh yeah I I mean I I think back to sort of some of your some of your sort of more like I w- I've never class your tweets as cruel um but some of your more sort of acerbic tweets and like quote tweets and so on um I, this is something else I was wondering earlier like have you ever like because sometimes I'll like nobody knows who the fuck I am so if I quote tweet somebody or like tweet them back and like mock them that's pretty much the end of it. Like they might block me, but the fact that they'll see you with your blue tick and your following and, and books and so on, do they ever like, what's the worst response that you've had back from somebody? Oh, uh, well, I, d- I tend, I tend not to quote tweet people cause it like, it's a bit cruel when you've got this many followers. So okay. unless it's like a politician or something or like that, I know they're not even checking their account, that kind of thing. But, uh, but I do get like, well, I'll get the occasional death threat. <laughs> really? Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. You get you get a fair amount of those, and yeah, the main thing people seem to like to do is just put comedy writer in uh, uh, quotes. Yeah. So it's not too bad. It's all fine. But um, 
No, you get plenty of abuse and yeah. I, oh, then I I found one that found out a while back that if I take comedy writer out of my bio and just go for author or something like that, that's when they start mocking your face instead. So I quietly changed it back to comedy writer. <laughs> <laughs> deflect them off that way <laughs> yeah yeah and then it feels like a, a win for you no doubt when they do come back and say comedy right you're just yeah. like ah, whew, ah fucking... you didn't notice my terrible face <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny like they think that that's the the be- that every time they say it they think they fucking smashed it with that comment uh, yeah com- comedian like <laughs> i remember there was there was something that something big that kicked off some sort of scandal with a comedian or something or other. And somebody tweeted like, oh, I see comedian in quotes is doing a lot of heavy lifting today. And I was like, fucking hell. It really, like every other tweet was some angry gammony prick going like, Ugh, comedian. But it's like, it's there's a sadness there that like it, it fills my soul with sadness when I see people do that because it's like, oh, yeah. you really think that that like you think you nailed it, but it, oh, you know. It's a, a molar shattering cringe that that elicits. Um, anyway, uh, I wanted to get on to, um, you know, obviously you tweet a lot uh, politically, even if you, you write books on it less. Um, I wanted to get your your thoughts on Boris Johnson's uh, month, if you like. Mm. So if I take us back for a minute, what, three or four weeks now was when the sleaze shit started. And it felt then like it was Boris Johnson's bad week, right? Everyone was saying, oh, he's having a bit of a rough one. And and then there was a Nadine Dorries fuck up or something. She got confused about it. She said she's in trouble every fucking week at the moment um, with some sort of misunderstanding or she doesn't. Anyway, so he's having a bad week there. And then it's spilt. There's a sort of aftermath of the Slee stuff and the Daily Mail turns on him and. And then all of these problems seem to just carry on going and, and snowballing. And now we're at a point where there's these letters of, you know, no confidence votes are, are flying around. Um, does this feel like you, like to, to you, does this feel like he's on a like downward, like he's on his way out in the same way that Theresa May was around that kind of, you know, where she couldn't do anything right. She kept fucking everything up and there was letters of no confidence going around. Does this feel to you like he's on his way out or is this just a blip? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, and I preface this with the fact that I'm incredibly shit at predictions. Like I didn't see Trump coming, didn't see Brexit coming or anything like that. But yeah, it does feel, sort of feel like they're kind of circling around him, um, in the same way that they did with Theresa May and know that it'll improve anything. It'll just be that they get Sunak to take over most likely. Um, (laughs) eventually that's my guess like sort of the people's psychopath <laughs> like <laughs> a dexter rather than a leather face kind of thing but yeah. yeah um yeah yeah it really does seem like they're starting to turn on him the backbenchers are obviously already causing a fuss soon starting kind of briefing wars with him so i've seen that yeah, yeah. so i saw something today suggesting that that there were leaks coming out saying that it was someone from sunak's office that was yes. saying like he's not happy with how things are running being run in number 10 and yeah. i was a bit like that's fucking ballsy <laughs> it's like you know saying saying to somebody else in your team that you don't like the way that the boss is right you mm. know it's like a, mm. a briefing war against your your boss so who could just fire you like the next day or have you removed yeah. from the post it's yeah 
Yeah, you don't get it much in regular jobs. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, yeah. But it's yeah. it's you're right. Like with the the um, uh, the the parallels with Theresa May. I remember there was a period where like she had her um her coughing fit on the stage, and then the thing fell down behind her, and um uh, and slowly but surely, yeah, like all all of the right wing press started turning on her and. Uh, and then there was a there was a Boris Johnson figure there who was about to sort of take all of that ill feeling and wrap it up into a kind of leadership campaign. And it feels to me like we're at a point where people have lost faith in him as a leader. They like they talk a lot about like, you know, he really needs to get things back on track. I've seen that phrase a lot, but like like back on track. I'm like, when, like, when has he exercised any leadership whatsoever? Um, but it feels like he's we're at a point where nothing is really going right for him and uh any small thing blows up in the paper as like another illustrative example of how shit he is uh and the only thing that's missing to my mind is that boris johnson figure you know and you've mentioned sunak but i don't know how you feel about this but i feel like maybe the tory party is still too racist to <laughs> to accept a rishi sunak as a leader what do you what do you reckon uh or a pretty patel so, no I'm not, I'm not so sure i think i think they probably would go for sunak they've been better at picking their leaders <laughs> in, like in t terms of choosing kind of well they had female leaders long before labor well who still haven't <laughs> yeah um so yeah, no, I think I still think that they, I think they'd go for him. They seem to be coalescing around him, and I think they think he's popular enough with the country. I don't like him, by the way, just to clarify that before sure. anyone tweets at me. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, my my take on Sunak is he's sort of a plastic populist, if you like. Yeah, yeah it's another Cameron. Yeah, he's he, he is another Cameron. You're right. You're, you're bang on there. So he's in the same way that Cameron sort of caught a vague whiff of environmentalism and, you know, hug a hoodie and all, you know, sort of could, what was it? Compassionate conservatism. Like that was the yeah. phrase around then. And then as soon as they got in office, there's that famous quote of him going like, yeah, bin the green shit. Like as soon as it's <laughs> like as soon as there was any expectation on him affecting change in any meaningful way in any of this shit, then it was like, yeah, no, I'll fuck that. Like, <laughs> um, and you're right. Like, so in, in a, in a similar way with the, with the pandemic, with the, uh, furlough scheme, uh, with mm -hmm. the government loans to keep businesses afloat, all of these sort of arguably socialist policies to, to give out public money, to keep people from basically fucking dying in the street. Um, people have warmed to him and they, they, they find that sort of policy palatable when it comes from a Tory, which is really weird. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like if he did get in the hot seat, if they did put him into number 10, uh, all of that shit would go. It mm. would, he would no longer be like, he doesn't dish out free money because he fucking loves dishing out free money. Does it? Cause yeah, it's an economic. Yeah. Necessity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, his budgets have been just as terrible as <laughs> all yeah. the previous ones. Yeah, I don't buy any of his like cuddly images of the public. But... Yeah, what was his? Didn't he do like a photo? Was there a photo set or something? He, did? That, he seems to. Yeah, he seems to have a photographer with him at all times. Like <laughs> he, um, the one that really stuck with me was when he was doing the 
like did a look back at the pandemic in a video and it just like just going on about how great the pandemic was for him the kind of thing it was a really odd tone yeah gotta look it up that's <laughs> like when, when you expect a fucking junior aide in Whitehall, even, like somebody with some vague sense of self-awareness and real world experience should really like step in and go like, read the <laughs> fucking room. People have died. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. But they live on, on another planet. Like I know it's a, a sort of cliche to wheel it out, but it's a cliche because it's true because people say it a lot. Um, uh, which is that they do they live in their own little bubble you know they come from very wealthy backgrounds they go through an incredibly privileged uh education system and then they get gifted internships because their dad was friend with someone you know we both know all of this stuff but it it conditions them to believe that um they have worked hard and so they've achieved and they deserve this success but for them this success equals I had to wash my dad's car one Saturday and then I was given an internship. So they're like, they've got it in their head. They're like, I washed the car and I got the internship. So I worked for this. Like they have no understanding that there's other people out there who are fucking standing in a queue, freezing their tits off, waiting yeah. for a shit egg crest sandwich in a food bank. Like, Why don't you just wash a car? Yeah. Um, Here's, here's my fear, right, is uh, you know that people portray Johnson as a sort of narcissistic, sociopath, psychopath kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that's baseless. I think, <laughs> I think there's, there's fair <laughs> evidence there uh, that he may lack empathy. Um, <laughs> my fear is that when you have somebody like that in number 10 or the White House, uh, that when they are when when the buzzards is it buzzards that are circling above whatever the yeah the birds are um like when when the numbers up basically uh that they will tear the whole fucking place down rather than give it up gracefully you know like that's my like michael douglas in falling debt like when everything started to really you know hit home for him when he was in debt or whatever the circumstances were in that film that led him to have that fucking breakdown and go out and murder people he went he chose to go out and murder people rather than like you know <laughs> psychopaths don't sit there and go oh well uh, i guess it's i guess that's it uh, you know and we saw it with trump you know you see it in in that in falling yeah. down um you see it with jealous husbands you know like when they're bullshit relationship is finally over and they realize that their wife has been fucking the pool boy the entire time they don't just go ah balls they fucking murder the wife and the pool boy like so here's my fear james is like or question really for you like when what happens now if he is ejected if there is a vote of no confidence what do you think a panicked psychopath would do in number 10 so you worried like about him killing the pool guy but on a national scale <laughs> yeah the pool guy is now a metaphor for britain <laughs> oh god i wonder what he will do actually like he strikes me as someone who will just like try and get at yeah, i'm really struck by stuck by this question actually it's, really it's a tricky one no isn't it because it's he, like you will try and get out of it with as much like dignity as possible and somehow try to make it seem like he's won, but <laughs> can't yeah. see how it's going to be able to manage that. Yeah. I, I feel like it's hard to 
imagine with sort of forethought ahead of time how mm. reckless he could be when his mm. natural setting like his natural demeanor <laughs> yeah. is the the peak <laughs> of <wildly>. fucking <laughs> yeah like like what is he gonna do go off and have an affair or fucking like <laughs> spaff a load of public money or like everyone is getting fucked <laughs> yeah i've got um i got a friend on a uh whatsapp chat group um and he was saying yesterday he was like uh i've just got a feeling that johnson will be gone soon and probably by the end of next week at the latest mm, no i was chance. like yeah, yeah like that's what i said i was like i can't see that happening man like, no. yeah he's gonna cling on as long as possible yeah and like don't get it twisted like i i nobody would double nut come quicker than me if boris johnson was <laughs> fucking dragged out of number 10 in his boxes and immediately thrown in the back of a police van and then prosecuted for like you know abusive public funds or like oh my god yeah, i would nice. hose pipe i would make my <laughs> pants pregnant but but i don't think it's realistic that's how it's... they elect the new boris johnson you realize just... <laughs> yeah i just i i can't see it happening. i think when i think back to theresa may uh i think it took maybe you can correct me on this i don't know but i think it took three attempts did it to get um, rid of her um yeah there's definitely a I remember lots of people. There's lots of talk talk about them sending in the letters. Uh, yeah, two or three times sounds about right. It was pretty much constant. I forget how chaotic it was, <laughs> but yeah. there was constant talk of leadership challenges. Yeah, that's the thing. It all sort of fades into the background to some extent, doesn't it? You forget mm. all of those late night votes, like meaningful vote one, meaningful vote two. Yeah, um, deselecting Tory MPs when they got to the 2019 election. Mm, yeah, um, all of the shady shit just mm. sort of this <laughs> a bit because there's something. I suppose this is a a downside to having 24 hour news, like having this ongoing cycle. Mm. Um, and you must know this better than anyone because you know the amount of time that you and I spend on Twitter. Yeah, you're kind of chasing that. Like what's the what's the latest news story? What's the latest scandal? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's like because of the speed of it all, it's like the stuff that happened fucking last week is like you know here here I was earlier talking about um, Boris Johnson's bad month, and I'm already struggling to forget half of the shit that's happened. Yeah, yeah, same. Like uh, I mean, there's occasionally I'll be on Twitter and I'll think, oh, this is really interesting. That's a really good story, but I'm not going to tweet about it because it's an hour old. <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. missed the boat on that one. <laughs> That'll be yeah. a weird thing along in a couple of seconds. Wait for that one. Yeah, mm. it's uh, it's I suppose it's a unique skill, isn't it, to know what like what to jump on, what's going to resonate with people, and <laughs> and to to know that the thing that you're about to tweet, like the the one liner or two liner, is really going to like cut through, as it were. Yeah. Um. No, the real skill is like deleting the flops. <laughs> <laughs> anyone notices really yeah yeah I, like i used to say like before before about a year ago i was just trundling along on on twitter not that i've got a, a particularly significant following i really don't but um uh but it has grown in the last year and before that i was just trundling along on you know sort of three four hundred followers for forever mm -hmm. and uh i used to like put tweets out like you know people people say that my tweets suck 
but you should see the shit that I delete. Like this is <laughs> this is the stuff that's like they made it through the PR department in my but yeah, no, that's good. You should put that one out. <laughs> yeah, um, same. So yeah, so if if we sort of like carry on the trajectory of, of Boris Johnson's uh, like bad week became a bad fortnight, a bad fortnight became a bad month, and then just as like the polls were really sort of tanking for for the Conservatives, uh, and it looked like things were like I I started to get a little bit excited because I think at the peak didn't like Labour had a six point lead or something was published. Yeah, briefly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and uh, and so that seemed very exciting to me. I was like, "Well, fucking here we go, finally!" Um, and and then this refugee thing uh, happened, which was obviously mm-hmm. deeply shocking. Well, not that shocking, but you know, well, shocking but not surprising, I suppose, is the phrase. Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking last week, like a lot of the media coverage was around, like Johnson has to get a grip on the migrant crisis. And I was thinking yeah. they're just trying to move the dial along from the corruption shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like if somebody calls you a pedophile, <laughs> you might start trying to change the conversation to like the football <laughs> or like the weather or something. Like it felt like that. And uh, what a hell of a seek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Get away with that one. <laughs> I'm struggling to think of a way that you could, yeah. Uh, so so it felt to me like they were just trying to you know move the conversation on and then this happened uh and it felt like it was going to be the death of that poor toddler that died four or five years ago it must be now uh and that seemed to albeit temporarily uh, shift the conversation shift the narrative a bit people were actually being a little bit more compassionate like well maybe we do need to do something maybe we do need to help these people they're obviously very desperate you wouldn't put your two-year-old son on a dinghy unless it was the last fucking thing you had you, you you needed to do um but it doesn't seem to have, have happened this time like it's it amazed me last time how quick well say it amazed me it amazed me maybe grimace how quickly mm. it did change from that brief compassion back to the same old shit <laughs> it was yeah um, so i obviously uh, wrote this the book sunburn and yeah, for about a week, the Sun were um, talking about this horrible tragedy. And then, like, within a few weeks, they had, like, a letter section that was talking about the pro- immigrant problem. And then a few weeks after that, it was straight back to migrant crisis. Like, why, why do you think they do that? Um, well, uh, I think they, they think and probably know it's popular which is a grim thing to say um, that they are very good at like judging a nation's mood. And they're also, they'll go for the easy target, something that they can always talk about. <laughs> um, yeah. Cause it's a sort of chicken and egg thing, isn't it? To my mind. It's like, yeah. Yeah. They, they push it further and they make it more prominent. Like they make out like it's a much bigger problem than it is just for ease. And yeah, and then it just reinforces itself. It's really grim, and yeah, I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Have they ever? Did they ever come after you after you you did your book? No, I think I'm like too small off the radar, really. Plus, I was like went through so many lawyers the book, so <laughs> like, oh, really? there's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing that they could come after me for, really. Um, as I just a person, thought, like I mean, I'll get the occasional Sun journalist that'll be 
annoyed at me like disproportionately to what I've said <laughs> but right. so they may have like come across it and that kind of thing but no thankfully I haven't felt the full force of the sun against me yet <laughs> yeah I mean I didn't necessarily mean like legally um I don't I don't think the parameters of UK law necessarily I've got to be careful what I say now uh, <laughs> I don't think the parameters of UK law possibly <laughs> trouble <laughs> the sun uh massively if if uh if the Leveson inquiry is to be believed um but i yeah i just wondered like you know if you've written this book that's clearly very critical of uh one of the uk's best selling tabloids uh mm. i would expect them to start sort of you know phoning around your old friends and girlfriends <laughs> and like, trying to dish the dirt on you or something thankfully i'm pretty dull like the most they could get me for is milk coke and that's <laughs> <laughs> As vile as it is, it's not like that shocking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I mean, in terms of like the immigrant narrative, it's sort of I, I get that they publish it because they know that it's a sort of spike. It's a, a thing that, um, it piques the interest of people who are looking for some, someone to blame. Um, yeah. You know, if you're struggling along in a two-bed masonette council house. And you can barely afford to feed your fucking family because there's no yeah. support structures out there. You might buy into, I might buy into, if I was in that situation, a narrative yeah. that allows me to see a really clear good versus evil. Like it's, it's, you know, you're trying hard for your family, but this guy's taking your fucking money. But it's yeah. the, the thing that puzzles me about it is these people who publish this fucking comic book, uh, yeah are not stupid they're not dumb or ignorant a lot of them are fucking oxford cambridge grads yeah, yeah. and that's not to put you know pile a lot of adulation onto oxford cambridge grads but it's i'm just saying you know they're all graduates they're intelligent people seemingly um so they must know that that is that it's not as simple as this guy came across the channel and he was given a free house and you don't get a free house like that narrative is mm way more complex and there's a level of responsibility there as a uk publisher that you would hope or expect someone like the sun yeah I th yeah i think this is why they like focus in on the little anecdote that's horrible rather than the bigger picture and stuff like that that's the kind of way that they justify it to themselves and <laughs> yeah um yeah but yeah and then yeah of course i got a lot of journalists that won't be able to make a break elsewhere and that kind of thing that that's how they justify it to themselves like this is still just a way to get into journalism and then they'll move on to the better papers that kind of thing but yeah um, i suppose so it's I, I can kind of understand that although i'd never do it myself like i did to get into journalism myself i went down like the a different kind of horrible online clickbaity type website just writing nonsense rather than like anti-immigrant nonsense <laughs> right so just like harmless trash <laughs> but, was it buzzfeed can you say who uh, it was? no 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 so much worse than buzzfeed <laughs> like just um yeah writing 10 oh yeah no i, I, I could <laughs> like I found an article that i did the other day i clearly had a massive attitude problem at the time because it was like five scientific five um, scientific problems with a new John Lewis advert. Right. Remember that one where they are on the there is that man on the moon. Yeah. yeah so this is the kind of trash I was writing, like talking about how there's no chance he could breathe up there, <laughs> stuff like that. So yeah. Well, 
at least it's you know viewpoint that I had. <laughs> at least it's geek trash at least it's rooted in fact right <laughs> yeah um so, yeah. yeah that's, anyway that's how i imagine they justify it to themselves like this is their only way into journalism then they'll move on to something better and that kind of thing but still kind of saw this all of it yeah there's <laughs> this I, I forget what the name of the the tv series was now i think it's a bbc thing and i think it was called it was called like the press or something along those lines something really simple and like sharp like that and it was about the difference between the guardian and the sun i mean they weren't called that in the drama itself it was you know i think it's called the herald and the something rather but it was it was clearly based on those two tabloids and uh within this drama there was a kid who want who really wanted to work at the guardian uh and through luck of the draw or a flip of a coin he didn't get the job and so then he went to go and work at the sun and i'm not suggesting for a second that that's always the case i'm sure there's a lot of people who would love to work at the sun but i did think it was a really interesting um scenario for them to dramatize that and it's sort of obviously very similar to what you're saying like a lot of these people they 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 do their english a level they go and study journalism or they go and do like english lit somewhere uh, and then they want to be a journalist, but they can't quite get in to the place that they would love to be writing like investigative yeah. shit. And so to pay the bills and so they can still say, I'm a journalist, they end yeah. up working at the fucking star writing about some guy that's shoved. What was the what was the big one the other week? The other I say the other week. It was like about two or three years ago. The guy saying that he was stuck in the Calais Dover lorry queues with like 50. 1500 inflatable asses or something (laughs) went viral (laughs) my mates were like oh look at this guy imagine having that job stuck in a lorry and that's what you're doing and i'm like it's not real it's just fucking nonsense (laughs) what are you doing honestly i think i'd quite enjoy writing that kind of trash (laughs) it must be it must be nice in a way if you're a certain kind of person uh not to shit on people who have gone into that work or well maybe to shit on them a little bit but like um you know it must there must be some level of you know stress relief to know that you're a journalist and you've studied hard to realize that you should get sources and then you know back up your sources and and try and get stats and try and then present it to the lawyers and make sure that it's okay to public and then fight you know there's all of this shit it must be such a stress relief to go like i can write any fucking thing i like today i'm going to talk about <laughs> sex Sex artists yeah oh yeah i want that job now yeah um well there's there's your next book idea uh so um so yeah let's let's move on a little bit i uh another area of of political contention if you like that i have um that that i've explored perhaps in in a couple of other episodes of this with other guests has been this sort of slide into and I feel ridiculous saying this into sort of into fascism. I know how that sounds coming out of my mouth. Like as soon as you say fascism, people go, oh, he's fucking hysterical. But there's, you know, we know there's a lot of box ticking of fascism that's happened. So can we all just stop pretending that it's not what it clearly is, is basically my preface to this, right? Um, If we look at uh, the, all of these boxes that have been ticked. So free freedom of movement gone, the health and care bill, privatization of health services, the criminalization of protest, 10-year sentences for journalists who embarrass the government. Uh, So much of this feels very authoritarian. Um, 
and obviously people like to wank themselves stupid over the flag and over britain and our freedoms and our you know hard-fought freedoms and, and all of that but yeah it feels like one by one a lot of these freedoms that people celebrate uh with churchillian uh passion or, or whatever uh, are being scrubbed out um so i suppose my question really is like where where do you think this is all headed uh, it's a really tough question. They, you know, it's obviously been really grim. Everything that's been happening, and they are pushing like every like clamp, clamping down on protests they find annoying. That kind of thing is like, I mean, all protests are going to be annoying. That's the whole point of them. You didn't like they didn't get the vote. Women didn't get their vote because one day people saw them and thought you know what they always use the cutlery from the outside in let's give them the vote kind of thing yeah but um yeah so it's, it's all been really grim i just don't think they're competent <laughs> and enough to actually have any kind of overarching plan or anything they're just firing off any old stuff that they think will be popular and i don't think it'll go anywhere too dark like i mean it's already pretty fucking dark i know but mm. it's not gonna go like full fascism or anything for long i think this is unusually optimistic of me by the way but maybe i'm in a good mood or something but i think at some point johnson will go there'll be a slightly more moderate tory leader and i think i can't see labor winning the next one but i don't think they're going to be quite as pushy of the authoritarian horrible stuff i think they'll just be your bog standard Tory assholes, which is still terrible, but I can't yeah. see anything sliding into kind of the kind of fascism way. I think that's just going to be like a brief, horrendous period shortly after Brexit. Mm. This is my guess, but I'm wrong on everything, and it's normally worse than I imagine. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think you're a million miles off. I think. I, I broadly agree i think uh i, I cast my mind back to a, a blog or something i can't remember if it was a blog or a tweet or something that i wrote uh, a couple of years ago when johnson ascended if you like uh to number 10 and i remember saying then like it seems quite scary uh because he has this sort of um this this hold over the conservative party and they were at the time purging a lot of the moderate tories yeah. um but I remember saying, like, the the good thing is he comes off as quite stupid, <laughs> even though, you know, I know a lot of people buy into the whole, you know, Etonian uh, tongue or Etonian accent and the Latin phrases and, and all of that stuff. But to me, he doesn't come across like a particularly smart or intellectually curious person. Not that mm. I'm putting myself in that bracket at all, but mm. I don't think he's, you know, <laughs> it takes one to know one, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um and i remember saying like when you've got somebody like him he can be quite ruthless i'm sure and he can make cunty decisions that are going to affect people adversely but i think the uh uh you know the, the rose tints of it is that he will fuck up that he's too <laughs> stupid to do like if we had a really like smart malicious leader a smart yeah. psychopath then we'd really be in trouble but he's a fucking idiot 
and and so it's proved like it's it's you know i don't want to say oh i i I predicted blah 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 but like i could see from the outset that he wasn't the smartest guy in the room and his conduct and the behavior of his government over the last couple of years has kind of you know been a testament to that he's he's every department that he manages uh, whether it's a health secretary getting in trouble for you know doing whatever it was that he was doing in that private office or his home secretary and the bullying thing or um you know take your pick fill in the blank of his whichever cabinet secretary of blah 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 they've all been in the shit and he has absolutely no way of managing them yeah i think he seems like being a prime minister is a distraction from shagging which is probably (laughs) (laughs) like he's not got the commitment to full evil (laughs) yeah so yeah you have faith that the country might regain sanity at some stage? I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> I wouldn't get that far. <laughs> but um, no, I, I, think, I think politics might gain a bit more sanity. Mm. Not that... I don't, uh, not that, like what Sunak would offer would be any more sane, just kind of a bit less fascist. <laughs> yeah. That kind of thing. Um, a bit less authoritarian. Um, Do you think maybe, though, with the fascism stuff, is is the genie out the bottle? Like, is this just where we are now? Uh, I think... And in, in that, I mean, mm. you know, if you were a Sunak, if you were brady at the head of the 1922 committee or or whoever and you were a decision maker a real key player Mm. in the tory apparatus um would you look at the last couple of years and go fuck we can get away with fucking anything we just that's true you know yeah yeah that's very true (laughs) god and yeah not to yeah not to piss on your chips there you you being all like optimistic and i'm like don't forget everything's fucked james no it's gone now yeah (laughs) (laughs) mood has passed <laughs> yeah yeah no, so they could get away with anything they wanted to couldn't they um so what about labor then so uh you mentioned so you don't think they would necessarily win at the next general election um do you have any thoughts or opinions on the shift from like let's say corbyn to starmer and maybe starmer to somebody else like where do you think that's going um uh, fuck if I know where it's going. Um, I, I don't. I can't see Starmer winning the next election. He's yeah, quite bland. Like mm. his strongest opinions seems to be when he's agreeing with the government. <laughs> and, <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm not very impressed, and I don't think. I really think it's going to be him versus Sunak, and they're both such bland characters anyway. People will just look at the. People are already voting Tory anyway. They'll just look and see Sunak as a fresh start enough that they'll vote for him again. And, well, vote the Tories again. Yeah, so, I think... That's that's where I reckon it's going to go. Yeah. It's going to be great. <laughs> my, my fear is that people will be sick of the Johnson administration. And we've, we've sort of seen that in some of the home counties by-election results. Uh, hmm. people moving away i saw some vox pops earlier fucking vox pops on the bbc where people are actually talking about how shit the government is amazing nice. <laughs> uh and um and i thought okay well you know the, the mood is shifting that's great hmm. uh but i think as you've alluded to that people will interpret 
a new start or like you know a shift or you know let's get rid of these guys i don't think they will they will see that through the prism of let's get a labor government in i think they'll mm -hmm. say yeah i'm glad they've got rid of johnson anyway now it's a like you say like a fresh start yeah. with sunak yeah completely new psychopath <laughs> yeah with all new crimes <laughs> this um, guy will yeah Oh, fuck um, the country in a completely different manner. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. he's like Sunak. I think is if you met him in a in a bar or a, probably a country club. Let's be real. Uh, <laughs> if you met him socially, I think he'd be all right. Um, but I don't. I'm not sure he passes what I call the beer test, uh, yeah. which I've mentioned on a couple of other episodes. Right? It's where uh, I don't know if I invented it or if it. I've, I've borrowed it from somewhere but anyway the idea obviously is that the person who wins the election is the person who you would actually rather just sit down and have a beer with and it's sort of it it's uh evidenced by barack obama versus who was he mitt romney was it um yeah <laughs> and 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 then you look at like um boris johnson the novelty of like having a beer with someone called mitt <laughs> reckon get a bit of entertainment <laughs> there is that but it's also like america's a really religious country still and i don't think america was ready or will be ready anytime soon for a sort of mormon president i just don't think that was ever ever going to be a go um uh and so i think barack obama because he's sort of i don't know he comes off as quite sort yeah, of you know he is definitely the person you'd have a beer with this, yeah this test does stand <laughs> now i'm no trump fan but if you look at Trump and Clinton, Clinton, I don't think is particularly likable. Trump is a bit of a joker. He's obviously a fucking he's batshit and mean and incredibly racist. But if you met him in a bar, you didn't know him versus Hillary Clinton. You'd rather have a beer with him. You just would. Yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> well, right. Yeah. This and guy's going to say something. <laughs> <laughs> do I sit down and have a beer with this guy and we both get kicked out after seven minutes? Or do I go and sit and have a quiet beer with her and stay here the whole night? Um, but yeah, I suppose my point there uh, is that you need to find somebody who has the charisma and who is accessible uh, and, and resonates with the general public in a way that the opposition leader does not. And I think when you look at people like um Keir Starmer I look I like him I think he's a good politician I think his heart's in the right place and uh, and all of the other adjectives that you want to throw at a good person but I don't think he's like you you really need a fucking like I'm sorry to say it like a, a Tony Blair like a, a big personality that can perform to a room that is um upbeat and passionate and enthusiastic about the future of the country like if you don't have that you're going to go up against somebody like Boris Johnson, who every fucking word that comes out of his mouth is a lie, obviously, but people will queue up for that for fucking years to hear him sort of do a bit of bluster and a bit of enthusiasm and blighty, blighty, ho, 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 you know, all of that yeah. shit. Did, uh, you see the, did you see the other day uh, Starmer was talking about Boris Johnson saying fuck business and what his reply was? No, do tell. It's just like the most boring thing. <laughs> that you could possibly respond to just yeah i can promise you that the only f words i'll be using are foreign investment fair trade fiscal policy and fiduciary duty oh my which is God. <laughs> not is... even following the rule of three <laughs> yeah yeah he's i mean the thing the thing that saddens me a bit about labor 
well there's two things number one uh they're not up for uh working with other like smaller parties where it's going to split the vote and that for me is fucking cancer that really makes me think we then we really do need a new leader because you're not going to win the next election on your own this is not fucking 1997 you need to grow the fuck up now if you're not going to work with other parties that's a that is a serious problem for me but second and possibly more important than that is that they have this sort of quite a high caliber of politician like when you look at the labor front bench versus the cabinet like in my face anyone against nadine dorries oh mate <laughs> they're not even the same like it's like a fucking kitten walking into a dog fight like it's it's like it's it would be a mauling with those two if they were on like a breakfast sofa you know debating an actual issue that related to both of their respective you know offices or, or whatever um if you look at an angela rayner or you look at a um uh i, I don't think yvette cooper's actually on the like shadow cab shadow cabin at the moment but if you look at these personalities these senior labor politicians yvette cooper emily thornbury um jess phillips all of these people are, are incredibly passionate and thoroughly across their brief and it just i'm like can we like i like starmer but can't he be like the foreign secretary and then we get one of these other people who are like enthusiastic and upbeat and optimistic and you know wheel him out when you've got something boring that needs explaining <laughs> yeah well, like his his strength obviously like what's the cliche everyone says this about keir starmer uh, uh yeah yeah uh which has made my mind immediately go blank forensic there we forensic go. right yeah he's forensic with the detail that's great for a foreign secretary or like a deputy prime minister to sort of back you up and like whisper in your ear and go james make sure you ask him about x y and z because he's really he's short on you know that's that's the person that that's like a lawyer that is a lawyer someone that whispers in your ear gives you the heads yeah. up but for a, a leader of opposition to be debating across uh, yeah you know and shouting back at the speaker and shouting down like i'm just not <laughs> sure starmer is the best person in labor to be doing that but yeah same <laughs> yeah i don't know um so let's I, i'm aware we've we've sort of got four or five minutes left of, of your time so let's uh let's wrap up a little bit let's talk um uh, about what's next for you james felton so you've got this book out um you don't want to know do you want to take us through it a little bit uh yeah so it's it's basically a look back well it's a look at weird stories from science and history and that kind of thing um just with my normal kind of horrible history style tone but for adults um trying, uh so it just kind of goes through if you like if you're some kind of pervert that likes really horrible like history stuff <laughs> oh you're gonna enjoy it it's <laughs> it's like um yeah there's can plenty of us, can you give us an example i don't want you to uh you know dish out the spoilers for your whole book but i saw i saw something on amazon earlier about like the history of the chainsaw how the chainsaw was invented or something yeah, yeah so um chainsaw was originally invented for childbirth which is like just like the grimmest facts that um stumbled across really? research uh well <laughs> i found much grimmer stuff but it was a grim one so is yeah there, um, is there anything that was so grim that you were like i can't fucking put that in the book Oh god, yeah, yeah, there's yeah, <laughs> yeah, grim, grim stuff. So grim, I had to like destroy my hard drive. <laughs> um, nothing that bad, but, but yeah. there was yeah, there's plenty of really grim stuff in there. Um, fun one that I did a thread about the other day that went quite viral was about 
John Hunter. I don't know if you heard of him. He is kind of a medical researcher. He did some like really good uh, medical science, but he also set back uh, STD science by many, many years when he... So he got this. He believed that gonorrhea and syphilis were the same um, forms, two forms of the same disease. Like right. gonorrhea goes on to for, in, goes on to become syphilis. Right. So he decided that in order to test this, he needed to to get either someone or himself infected with gonorrhea and then see if it turns into syphilis. Right. So there's two versions of this. Um, think the most likely one is it was on someone else but there's also a version of history that says it's he made cuts in his own penis and then got the yellow charge from someone else's um, gonorrhea and smeared it into his own penis and I then mean, so he went on to he went on to get gonorrhea and then he went on to get syphilis so he was absolutely ecstatic with this because he thought yeah I've proved it but it turned out that the guy he'd taken the discharge from was um, infected with both. So <laughs> all he'd done, all he'd done, was rub syphilis into his penis <laughs> for, for no reason whatsoever. And then for the next fifty years, people thought this was fact, and they were like freezing off gonorrhea sores with mercury um thinking that they were helping the prevention of syphilis that kind of thing when all they were doing was like damaging the penis who <laughs> was already in quite a lot of trouble <laughs> yeah. just a hundred years of damaged penises <laughs> fuck so, so, so yeah so the, i completely panicked when you asked the question because i'm already like i've got another secret project that's coming up in december and i'm meant to be plugging that but I'm not sure if I'm allowed to talk about it now. I think about it. So well, you can you can dish it out if you like, but I I will respect can yours. Can I do a teaser and say there's a project coming in December? Look out for that. That kind of thing. I'll consider myself teased for sure. <laughs> um, so just to be crystal clear, if <laughs> I've had gonorrhea, I I'm I haven't taken care of the syphilis. Uh, yeah, no. It, it won't turn into syphilis if you've just got the gonorrhea. You're All good. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm glad. Glad we cleared that up. Don't uh, need to penis. <laughs> don't need to damage it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much. Uh, my guest tonight, James Felton. You can follow him uh, on Twitter at James M Felton. Is that right? That's, yeah, Jim M Felton. James was taken. <laughs> Oh, there yeah. we go jim m felton uh and do check out his books sunburn and 52 times britain was a bellend and his latest book uh you don't want to know uh and look out for his secret project coming out in december and i will be back next week with a uh, another guest don't forget to um pop onto the patreon for early exclusive access to all of the podcast episodes they go on there first uh there's also an audiobook on there which i'm releasing every tuesday uh, week by week there's another chapter uh and i will catch up with you guys soon thank you so much ciao for now bye bye, bye.